Hello and welcome back to the HR Grapevine podcast, the podcast series that takes an in-depth look at one of the most fascinating, important or divisive HR stories from over the last week. I'm Sophie Parrott, online editor at HR Grapevine, and each week I'll be joined by a different HR journalist as we explore the contemporary practice and most pressing debates in HR within a short podcast. So join me as we properly pick apart what it means to work in the people function. Today, I'm joined again by Kieran Howes, Deputy Editor at Executive Grapevine Digital Media. So welcome back, Kieran. Pleasure to have you on the podcast again. How are you doing? Hi, Soph. Yeah, I'm great. Thanks. Uh, We're working flat out on some amazing content that is going to roll out over the next couple of days and weeks. So I'm really excited for the audience to see it. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. I love that little plug for our content. Fantastic (laughs) stuff. (laughs) But yes, as Kieran said, we've got a lot of good things in the pipeline. So stay tuned, really. Like a large portion of the country, we are both currently working from home and dialing in remotely for the purpose of the podcast. So as I've said before, we do apologise if the sound quality isn't as optimum as it could go, but we are still dedicated to bring you the latest topical debates in a short HR podcast. So this week's discussion on the HR Grapevine podcast will be centred around how HR can help staff feel less anxious about returning to work. This comes after the UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson made further announcements about going back to work, using public transport and opening up more industries late last week. At a press conference on Friday last week, he said that from August 1st, the advice on working from home will change, adding that employers will be given greater discretion on whether staff should come back to work, of course, as long as it is safe to do so. It's also been reported that the guidance for returning to work will be updated to give employers greater discretion of whether staff can work from. Uh, Obviously, at the moment, staff are still being encouraged to work from home where possible. In an interview with ITV, Boris said, whether people should go into work, whether they need to go into work, is not something that the government can decide. It is up to employers to decide with their employees whether they think the time has come for them to be more productive in a place of work for a greater portion of the week than staying at home. And while I imagine this news would be welcomed by some employees who are eager to get back to the office, it is likely to cause a wealth of anxiety for others. And this was actually supported by some research from Cartridge Save, which found that a third of UK employees are scared of returning to work, claiming they don't feel it is safe to do so. In addition, research from Beeper Health Clinics found that as many as 65% of people in the UK are anxious about returning to the office. Pretty stark figures there. Yeah, it is really stark. And actually, you know, it's completely understandable after all of the disturbing news that we've heard about the pandemic's effect worldwide. You know, it's unsurprising that people feel hesitant to dive back into their physical offices. And that anxiety actually starts before many people have even arrived at the office. ONS data suggests that most workers are still very keen to avoid public transport at all costs. 56% of commuters who travel into London said that they plan to do their journey to work differently. 55% plan to change the time of their commute to avoid peak hours. And 49% plan to use their own transport, which is actually up from 23% pre-pandemic. Another interesting statistic here is that the Bicycle Association says that bike sales have increased by 60% as people look for an alternative way of getting around. So this puts a massive onus on HR to ensure that people are considered not just in the office, but to and from work as well. And while Cycle to Work scheme is one of the more common HR perks that's offered, uh, now may be a great time to implement one to quell some of that worker anxiety. 
Yeah, I mean, it's certainly interesting some of the statistics you just read off there in terms of the work commute. And of course, as Kieran said, anxiety may well start before workers even get to the office. But it's definitely crucial that HR and employers do everything that they can to try and keep staff as calm as possible and to really make sure that the return to work is as safe, comfortable and as calming as as it can be. So actually, before the podcast, I spoke to David Silito, who is a partner at the Leeds-based specialist firm Robinson Ralph, who essentially alluded to the fact that in many situations, particularly like the pandemic, communication is really key. And he actually said to me, it will help if the business emphasises the supportive steps that have been taken thus far, possibly including furloughed staff to ensure that they remain employed. And why further actions such as returning to work are necessary, that being the survival of the business. And also informing staff about the measures that have been put in place to minimise risk will be reassuring to staff and will also strengthen the organisation's position in subsequent claims that arise from employees who may be unwilling to return to work, according to David. He also stated that it is crucial HR departments and employers address specific concerns, particularly related to disability, as well as shielding staff and those with pre-existing disabilities who may well require additional steps to be taken. And further to what David was saying, it is crucial that all employees feel supported when returning to work, though employers should pay particular attention to those with disabilities as they return to their place of work. At the time of Boris's announcement last week, James Taylor, who is an executive director of strategy, impact and social change at Scope, said that the update would likely worry disabled people. He said that the comments would ring alarm bells for many people with disabilities who will feel anxious about plans to pause shielding from August 1st. And actually referring to research from Scope themselves, um, he said that just 5% of people with disabilities say they feel safe about plans to pause shielding. So I think this really does show that employers should be doing everything that they can to reassure them and to reduce anxiety levels. To add to this, I spoke to Natalie Doig, who is a diversity and inclusion lead at Scope, who said, of course, that it is a very anxiety inducing time for everyone, but particularly for those with a disability. And before the podcast, uh, she told me about a couple of things that employers can do to ease the return to work anxiety. So these include things such as providing clear information about how things have changed, what can be expected. And she said that these can be showcased via accessible videos, photos and through descriptions of the new work environment so that people feel as if they can familiarise themselves before they actually arrive at the venue. And actually, not too long ago, we reported a story at HR Grapevine about the CEO of Salesforce, um, who essentially said that staff would likely have to book a place in the lift when travelling between the firm's London office again. And again, you know, depending upon the type of working environment that you you find yourself within, this too could be a consideration for employers and HR departments. Elsewhere, Natalie said that being flexible and offering flexible schedules and home working opportunities has always been a frequently used reasonable adjustment for people with disabilities, but one which is more important than ever in today's uh, COVID climate. She finished off by saying to me, for some disabled people with particular health conditions or impairments who are at risk of catching COVID-19, working from home will be the safest adjustment to make. For other disabled people, it may be that they do want to come back to work in the office, but will have to travel at quieter times on public transport and so work more flexible hours. I completely agree. And, you know, it isn't the case of just throwing the doors open to the office and pushing everyone inside. Whilst businesses will undoubtedly be really keen to get back to some semblance of normality, strict measures to ensure that they are COVID secure must be in place so that any staff can return. 
And these may be things such as closing off kitchen areas, uh, removing one in every two desks, limiting usage of high traffic areas and supplying hand sanitizer across the workplace. Ewan Lawrence, a partner at the employment team at Black Solicitors, said that if people don't feel safe about going back to work during the pandemic, they are actually legally protected. He said it's possible that staff may ask an employer for the right to their risk assessment and for details of the measures taken to mitigate the risks in workplace associated with the pandemic. If the employer's response isn't satisfactory, the employer could confirm why this is the case and take steps such as refusing to come into work. Sections 44 and 100 of the Employment Rights Act 1996 provide specific safeguards for employees who don't feel that they are returning to a safe working environment. And working parents are another massive group of people in the workplace who may not feel too confident about coming back. They've been massively impacted in the pandemic with school aged children uh, now set to return no earlier than September. Obviously, it's, it's just turned to the summer holidays for a lot of children. So childcare is a, is a key consideration for all businesses. Over lockdown, employers have had to be aware that working parents are looking after children. The same is still true even if offices do return. So keeping this in mind for any planned move back into the office is essential. Maybe this is actually an opportunity to allow more permanent flexibility into the schedules of anyone affected by childcare. For others, it may be that employees have pre-existing medical conditions or loved ones with pre-existing medical conditions. So for this group also, going back right now just isn't really feasible. In fact, the CIPD states that whilst the 1st of August uh, is the date where people who are shielding can return into the workplace, that doesn't mean that they have to. CIPD official guidance says employers should continue to support shielding for those who are vulnerable, including offering homeworking if that's possible. If this isn't feasible, then furlough pay or SSP, as in statutory sick pay, may be available during shielding. I think remembering that Prime Minister Boris Johnson said something relatively similar in his speech is really important. I mean, you, you referenced a bit of it earlier, but it is down to employers' discretion and they need to have conversations to make sure that their staff can return to work safely and confidently. And this could mean continuing to work from home. It could mean making workplaces more safe uh, following COVID secure guidelines. You know, th these are the options that people have. So ascertaining who is struggling in remote working will be a good gauge of how to slowly shift back to the workplace with these people taking the lead. A study from Okta of 2000 UK employees early this month found that 31% of employees felt that their productivity had suffered as a result of remote working. These people are undoubtedly more keen to return, while 62% of people actually felt that their productivity had increased, potentially making their return less pressing. With a lot of those points, it's very much about deciphering the individual needs of employees and putting things in place that can support them on an individual level. So just to summarise, really, and to give you some key HR takeaways, we spoke to the workplace mental health platform Unmind about essentially what HR can do to 
help staff feel less anxious about the return to work. And as we've already heard referenced throughout this podcast, is the importance of clear and transparent communication. What they did advise is, you know, to communicate what is certain. For example, if you'll be reviewing something on a certain date, let them know that, just so that people feel like they're on exactly the same page. Secondly, talk the staff members through the decision-making process and what is taken into account. So this could be in terms of government health and safety guidelines, you know, the the COVID secure um, workplace guidelines, rules about operation in the the building, the availability of PPE and so forth, just so that they understand the way that all of the decision-making process works and they can feel, I guess, a bit more reassured about that as well. Communicating the overall safety of the organisation is also a key consideration. And finally, I think this is a great tip to end on, but asking employees what their anxieties are and tailoring your communications to them. So, you know, with some of the advice that we've given throughout the podcast, it's very much about supporting different employees based on the different circumstances that they may have. So definitely finding out what employees are concerned about and how essentially you can support them on an individual basis will, I'm sure, be something that will be extremely welcomed by the employees themselves. But unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today. HR Grapevine wouldn't exist without your continued readership and engagement with our content. Whether that's our daily newsletters, monthly magazines, webinars, live events, or market leading research papers. So to sign up to our daily content newsletter, which showcases solutions and best practice answers to all of your HR issues, please visit hrgrapevine.com.